Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Uh, I know I was up here earlier, but for those of you who came in a little bit late, or those of you I don't know, my name's Todd Cullen, and I'm glad you're here this morning. I uh, hope you're having a good morning. Uh, and by the way, if you don't know me, um, the, the gal who was up here, like, rocking it out on the guitar that kissed me as she walked off the stage, it's my, it's my wife, okay, of 20 years, okay? So I just want to be clear. That's Cynthia. She's my wife. She's uh, our programming director around here. And so, uh, yeah, so anyway, just wanted to clarify that. Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we are in the love chapter. It's February last week was Valentine's. I hope you had a nice Valentine's Day. hope that you enjoyed that. And, um, but our series on love isn't focusing on specifically the love between a husband and wife, romantic love. We are talking about the God kind of love, which is the love that the Bible specifically, the New Testament speaks of almost every time that we see the word love. It's focusing on a very different type of love, and that's God's type of love. Um, in having uh, Dominic and, and Kara up here and seeing uh, Lily and, and Luca kind of reminded me of, of our kids, uh, Cynthia and, and my kids, Sydney and Sean, and um, they're almost 12 and 9 now, and so they're getting a little bit older, and we're heading really fast into those teenage years. So help me, okay, when that comes, all right? I'm going to call some of you, okay? Um, but um, I remember when we would like get down on our knees and we'd be wrestling or playing with one or both of them and we would say these words. We'd say, I love you. And they would respond with, me too. Do you remember that? Like, I love that. It was like, I love you and me too. Which is fine when a child says that, right? But it's something else when like two adults who are in love have a similar conversation. Uh, I read a story a few years ago and I think it applies uh, today, it was a story about a couple that was engaged, and um, her name was Amy, and his name uh, was uh, uh, Bob, and Amy and Bob were, you know, madly in love with each other, and they were sitting around one day, and Amy turns to her fiancé and lovingly and sincerely says, Bob, I love you, and he responds and keeps on doing what he's doing like we guys do when you women do that to us, and he responds, I love me too. And Amy stopped and she said, knowing that Bob has a great sense of humor, said, Bob, uh, I'm serious. And so Bob put his stuff down and he looked longingly into her eyes and romantically into her eyes. And he says, I'm serious too, honey. <laughs> and I got to tell you, um, as much as those little stories, as much as those little funny things that we see happen all the time, especially with kids, um, are the wrong thing that you want to communicate in many cases, it's kind of like a Freudian slip. Like in many cases, um, our sense of love is, is really like on us. The source sometimes of our love and affection really is kind of turned inward. And that's the opposite of what God intended when he describes love in the New Testament. It's the opposite of what his goal is for you and for me. His goal for, for love, agape, God kind of love, is that it would be foundational, that it would be something that is unconditional, that we love in spite of, not because of something, that we love um, because God loved us first and gave his life for us. And so then we should love other people with that in mind. Back in... in Jesus' day and in the first century when 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was written, 
Um, the Greeks had four different kinds, four different words for love. We have one word that describes love, and in week one we talked about these four different words. There's uh, there's uh, storge, which is this devotion to someone or something, and you love that like you love your family. But there's a devotion. There's uh, phileo, which is like a brotherly or, or lady sisterly love, uh, and, and then there's eros, which is a, a romantic love between a husband and wife, a, a man and woman, um, and then uh, the Bible has a handle on, and the Bible has a corner on, this thing called agape love. And agape love is used, um, uh, researchers and, and people who are experts on these types of things, linguistics and, and, and languages, found out that there's really only a couple other times in literature that this word is used. But every time it's used here in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the Lord love in our language, it means agape, God's kind of love. And so here's the deal. If you want to have a good romantic relationship between your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or, or fiancé or whatever the case may be, um, you, if you're a Christ follower, have to build that on top of agape love. The agape has to come first. If you want to have good friendships, if you want to have a good brotherly or sisterly love with someone else, uh, you know, where there's this, like, compatibility and friendship that goes the distance, um, it, it will fail if it's not built on agape love. If you want to have that kind of loyalty to something important in your life, it's got to be built on agape love. It is the foundation for every other kind of love that we can have. And so this message series isn't geared specifically for those of you who are in a dating relationship or an engagement relationship or a marriage relationship or a romantic relationship. It is intended for all of you in all the relationships that are important to you and even in our relationship with those that we have, find ourselves in community with. Like, you know, our pesky neighbors that leave their cars in the wrong place or trash in the wrong place or, you know, who knows what the case may be. And Paul has a lot to say about this and God's word has a lot to say about this. Now, um, the, the way we've kind of approached this, uh, really, we began in week one by describing and going into depth in all those words so that we can understand that agape is foundational. But the way that we've approached this is we've taken this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and if you'll notice as you read this, and some of you have been reading it this month, is that it's kind of broken up if you kind of take it apart and, and put it into categories. There are a couple things that he says that love is, and then there's a couple things that he says says love does, we're going to get to that next week, there's a couple things he says that love does not, and we're going to get to that this week, but there's a bunch of things that he says love is not. And isn't that interesting that he spends most of the time on the things that love is not? Because here's the deal, we get it wrong so many times, and God knew that, right? We get it wrong so many times. Why? Because we love us. We love me. You know, it's a selfish thing that we do when we take what God intended to be for someone else and turn that inward and have it focused on us. And man, let me tell you something. This is one of the hardest messages I've had to preach because this, I do all these things. I do all these not things every day. I'm just telling you, I'm a nice guy, but I do these things every single day to the people that I love the most, okay? So, I'm a hypocrite. Join the club with me. We're going to try our best with the power of God. And you're going to see that at the end to not do these things that God says not to do. But it, it ain't easy, is it? It ain't easy. Just not. 
All right, let's take a look at God's word. And what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at those not things, those things that God says love is not. And you and I, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to compare them. There's eight different ones. We're going to find out what it means that love is. First and foremost, agape love is the promotion of others. Agape love is the promotion of others. But agape love is denial of self, not the river in Egypt, okay? Denial of self. You'll laugh about that one later. Okay, it is the denial of self. Agape love is literally saying, I'm going to die to myself, okay? If, listen, capture this. If it's God's love, what did God do? He sent Jesus to what? Die on the cross, so that we can have eternal life in heaven with God one day and be forgiven of our sins. And he rose um, again three days later, which, by the way, we saw a great movie last night called Risen. Highly recommend it. I'm going to throw that in there. We'll talk about it as we get closer to Easter. But great movie. Agape love is the promotion of others and the denial of self. You see, if this is God's love and he wants us to walk in that love then guess what? It's his kind of love, and he died to himself, right? He denied himself. And so we have this idea that this plays itself out at a wedding ceremony or in a marriage, or it plays itself out at, at the mountaintop-like experience in, in some form or fashion. But I got to tell you, that can't be further from the truth. In fact, it's in the ordinary situations and moments of life when we are faced with a choice between choosing ourselves and others, that agape love is put to the test. That's it. It's in those ordinary moments in life when you and I have this decision to make or this choice between self and protecting ourselves and, and, and loving ourselves and, and self-indulgence and dying to ourselves and giving of ourselves to someone else that agape love is tested in our hearts. Pop quiz. <laughs> you know, you're in a situation with someone you love and all of a sudden there's this tension for some reason and all of a sudden agape love is put to the test. You're going to find out in that moment how much you understand and believe in this kind of love. And I, I have it happen every day in multiple situations with multiple people. We have the test, and the test comes when we least, least expect it. Now, um, this passage, just to remind you, if some of you haven't been here, was written actually to the church in Corinth to help them get rid of pride because they were taking their shape profiles, probably online at their church, you know, Corinth.com, and they were taking their shape profiles to find out how their, you know, their shape was and what, their, what ministry they're gifted for, and they were bragging about it. They were bragging about, you know, people that had the gift of prophecy were bragging about prophecy, and the people gift of tongues were bragging about tongues, and the people that had the, you know, gifts of help were probably like, well, I'm just nothing then, you know I mean? It was this competition thing that was going on there between uh, people in the church about their spiritual gifts. And so that's the context that this is written. And so isn't it interesting that like agape love is promotion of others, denial of self, and Paul is writing this to a group of people to eliminate pride. How often does pride get in the way of us taking agape and inserting it in a situation where we could promote someone else, and all of a sudden we turn agape on ourselves, and we want to be promoted. We want them to be denied because of pride. 
And so that's what Paul's trying to do here. He's trying to describe that. And so let's take a look at what this passage says. We're actually just going to look at verses 4 through 7 today. Um, he begins, and then last week we found out the only two things that he says love is, is he says love is, you can say it with me, patient and kind. Okay, those are the two things that love is. And then he goes on in verse 4 to say this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. I don't like that one. It is not irritable. I don't like that one either. Or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. How many of you have heard it at a wedding? Right at the end of, yeah, okay, me too. I do it in every wedding that I have too, okay? But it's really intended for all different types of love. So practically, let's check this out, how we can take those uh, things that Paul says love is not and turn them around and, and have it be something that you and I can practice in the positive. Take a look at this. Here's the deal. If you have a decision to make in the moment, here's where it comes down to for each of these things. First and foremost, he mentions this word, it does not envy. So... If it's not envy, then it's got to be something other than envy. I believe it's contentment. Check this out. When your desire in a situation is to be envious, decide to be content. Here's the deal. When, when we are envious of someone else, whether it's something they have or, or something that they've done or are doing, or it's something that like we want to aspire to that they've achieved and we haven't. Um, when we kind of focus on that and when we become envious of someone, what that really comes down to is that we in ourselves lack contentment with where we are in life. Am I right? So every time, I know this is for me, if I see someone that's aspired to something or become something that I want, it's because I'm unsatisfied with who God has made me. In a lot of ways, we're saying, hey, God, you're not good enough. And we become envious of those people. Because envy, a lot of times we think of envy as like stuff related, right? Like, man, I, I love that house. Oh, I'd love to live in that plantation. Let me tell you, people who have never been to Hilton Head especially that live up north, hear the word plantation, and they're like, what? You live in a plantation? I thought that was a long-gone thing. Okay, it's so confusing until you live here. But like sometimes we're like, hey, I want to live in that place, in that plantation, or in that neighborhood, or in that house, or I want to drive that car. But here's what I have found, is that when envy inserts itself into a situation and when it takes root in a relationship, usually it has to do with being envy or coveting the way someone is or an experience that they've had, or something that they've become. You know, you see a character quality in someone, and you go, that's what I want to be. And it doesn't drive you to aspire to be a better person. It drives you to be mad and angry that you're not that way. Love does not envy. And so our, our decision is to be content with who God has made us. And what he's doing in our lives. And I don't mean content with life. I don't mean like, you know, just giving up on, on uh, uh, being effective in life and assertive and successful. I'm talking about with the way that God has made us. And so I think that when we are faced with envy, we've got to decide to be content. Secondly, when we're boastful, 
We've got to decide to be modest. Oh, that's, that's an easy one, isn't it? That's a real easy one. I'm really good at being modest. I mean, I really am great at being modest, let me tell you. Our tendency is when we're pressed and when pressure and tension come into a relationship is to try to, like, um, boast and brag and stand on our accomplishments or what we've done or where we've been or those things that we might think that will put us in a better position than the other person. We've got to decide to be modest about those things. You know, our, our success and our accomplishments and our talents and the things that God has gifted us, at, um, gifted us with, those things are a very powerful weapon if used the wrong way. Am I right? And that's what, that's what this church was doing. They were prideful about who they were. They were prideful about the way that God made them. There's a fine line between being discontent and being prideful about the way God has made you. And when we have that tendency and desire to boast in a relationship, we've got to decide to be modest. And likewise, that next word that he uses, he says, does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not arrogant. And so when our desire is to be arrogant, we've got to try to be humble. We've got to decide to, to act in humility. And those two things are very similar, right? Boasting and arrogance, but here's the difference. If you really study the, the original Greek language here, the difference is, and it is tr it's true for the, the English um, uh, uh, understanding of those two words, um, arrogance is an attitude, boasting is an action. They go together, don't they? One is the seed, the other is the plant. The boasting is the words that go along with that arrogant attitude. Does, does that make sense? I hope you understand that. Like, they go together, and so modesty and humility are things that we have to decide to do. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us think that, well, that person is just humble, or that person is prideful, or that person is modest, or that person is immodest. Um, we have a choice to make in the matter. We have a decision to make whether or not we're going to puff ourselves up and be arrogant, or puff ourselves up and be boastful and give words to the arrogant attitude or not and we have that choice we have that decision and we have that choice now this is a fun one the next one that he says is this so he says so far envy and boast it's not arrogant and it's not rude and a lot of you are like sorry man I, i'm rude I, I i love it when people and I, I i get this i understand this i'm not i'm not judging here okay let me just preface this um, they might have something that references like church or that they're a christian on the back of their car and they're like, yeah, I got to take that off because I just can't drive nice. Like, I don't want people thinking that I'm a Christian because the way I drive is really rude. Like, when I think of rude, I think of driving on Hilton Head Island, don't you? Right? I mean, come on. Okay, so anyway, yeah. Uh, that's really not what he's talking about, though. Here's the deal. I don't know about you, but when I become rude is when I am insecure. I can get really rude real fast if I feel backed into a corner. It may be different for you. I think we're all different on that scale. But I think the nicest person in the world can become extremely rude in a moment if pressed in an area. And I guarantee you that each of your areas are different. For me, it's when I'm insecure. And hey, pastors are really good about being insecure. So it kind of goes with the territory sometimes, unfortunately. We have to choose to be polite. I mean, and it is a huge tension because doesn't it feel good to be rude? 
I mean, just for a moment, and I don't mean gross rude, but I mean, you know, you got that one-liner that you know is just going to insult, right? And you want to get it off, right? You want to just like, boom, right there. I got it. I got him. Oh, it feels so good for a second, doesn't it? <laughs> and then it doesn't anymore. When your desire is to be rude, um, choose and decide to be polite. It goes back to the kindness. I mean, if, if in this passage there are two things that he says love is, only two, patient and kind. We've got to keep coming back to those two. It's not too many. It's only two. So we've got to come back to that kindness thing. That'll drive us to be polite. Politeness um, in terms of love is not just surface, by the way. For some of you, or some of you are thinking that. Well, that's a surfacey thing. That's just fake and phony. It's not, it's not when it comes from a heart of agape. There's a difference. It is fake and phony if it is just surface, if it's skin deep. But if it comes from a heart of agape, then politeness is real and it's true. All right, let's keep moving on. He says, Ruve, and, and then he says this one, and here's, here's where it gets real uncomfortable. Whew, agape, love, does not insist on its own way. Ah, oh, man, that stinks. Um, so, <laughs> that is stubbornness, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what he's saying there. I'm just using the word stubborn to simplify it. It does not insist on its own way. I, I know you've probably been there before. Even if, even if you're a student, you've probably been there before. <laughs> Sorry, students, I was 16 too. Like, I mean, maybe that's even the time of your life when you're most stubborn in some cases. All right? Um, doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, we can be incredibly stubborn about what we think is right. And, and what he says here is, is that when we insist, that's a strong word, isn't it? Isn't that a strong word? When we insist on our own way, you know what often comes with insistence? Anger. Anger often comes with insistence, doesn't it? When we insist on our own way, and let me make something clear here. Paul is not talking about insisting on righteousness. It is good to insist on righteousness. What he's talking about here is to not insist on selfish ways, okay? He's going to talk about the good versus evil in a moment. He's talking about not insisting on it is my way or the highway, dude, or do that. Okay, like I am not open to any other ideas here that can crush agape love. That can just pull pride right out of the ground. So when your desire is to be stubborn, decide to be open. Man, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough one. We just got to realize that is tough. When your desire is to be stubborn, decide to be open. Man, Back in the day before iPhones and, and, and you know, devices and, and Garmin and TomTom or whatever it is uh, over in Europe, like in the days before that, men, we demonstrated this every time we would get in the car with our wives or girlfriends because they would say, honey, just stop and get directions. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We'll get lost before we do that. Long lost. They'll have to find us. They'll send a search party out for us before I'm going to stop for directions, okay? <laughs> that is just a microcosm of a bigger problem on insisting on your own way. The next one that he mentions here, insist on its own way. He says it's not irritable. Oh, man. 
the older I get, the more I struggle with this one. Here's my, here's my thought on this. By the way, the Bible doesn't give the opposites of these. Um, our team looked hard to find good words that will help us kind of have teeth on some of these opposites. And the one that we came up with here is helpful. Helpful. Man, when that person comes to you and they do something, which will happen if it hadn't, and I'm sure it has, um, it, they do something to, to really torque you, to really like get you kind of going and, and irritated. Um, I've found in my life that I can either feed that irritation with gasoline or I can put it out with water, and the water seems to be help. It seems to be help. It goes back to kindness, doesn't it? more kind, it solves a lot of problems in love. So when our desire is to be irritable about a situation or with a person, when they do something that just drives us crazy, it is not manipulative to be helpful in that situation because it can calm you down and it can actually help the other person, in some cases, to get out of the place where they were as well, which is probably irritated in the first place. So when your desires to be irritable, decide to be helpful. And then the last two get real serious, and I'm going to hit them kind of quick. But the last two get pretty serious here. Um, when your desires to be resentful, which he says there, uh, talking about resenting, don't be irritable or resentful, decide to be forgiving. Uh, you know, when, when we have been wronged, um, it, is a, it is a good, seemingly healthy place to kind of stay in that area of where we've been wronged. Am I right? <laughs> like it's nice to just kind of um, stay there for a while. That person hurt me, man. I'm going to have a pity party, <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of people there, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> Misery loves company, right? Am I right? Have you noticed that? When your tendency and your desire maybe is to be resentful, Decide to be forgiving. You know, this is probably, these next two are probably where God's act of love has the most impact. God's act of loving us enough to send his son to die for us. He forgave us so we should quickly forgive others, shouldn't we? Wow. And then lastly, when your desire is to be evil, decide to be good. See, here's what happens with resent. Um, resent can turn really quickly into like deep-seated anger. And when deep-seated anger take root, takes root, um, our tendency as humans, this is just natural, this isn't like for a certain group of people or for a certain type of personality or like for, you know, I don't know, whatever. But like our tendency is to go, now I'm going to get them. <laughs> right? You notice I didn't say him or her. I said get them. Like I'm going to get back at that person. And so Paul, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, knew what he was doing by saying it does not resent and that it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. That's what that phrase means. It's I'm going to get them back, man. I'm going to plot to get them back. And it's going to be something we think through and talk through. And so when your desire is to go to that evil place, decide to be good. Now, we're going to throw uh, up on the screen here uh, all of these words that agape is not. I want, you, I want you to look at them for a moment, okay? Envious, stubborn. I'm reading them wrong. That's okay. Boastful, irritable, arrogant, resentful, rude, and evil. And our job 
as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower in here, is to replace all of that with this. Contentment, openness, modesty, being a person that's helpful and humble and forgiving and polite and good. And that is just incredibly easy to do, man, isn't it? Let's just go home and have lunch. It's awesome. Had a great baby dedication today. Congratulations, Sosies. Good Sunday. It's easy to do. Let's go. No way, man. It ain't easy to do at all. It's not easy to do at all, and that's the bottom line. I want you to hear this. If you haven't heard anything else, I want you to hear this. We will fail. We absolutely will fail to choose and decide on agape love unless we completely rely on the power of God working in our lives. And you know, if you're a Christ follower in here, if you're a Christian in here, you have access to God's Holy Spirit on a moment-by-moment basis. And I am so glad because my tendency is to fail on this every hour. Like, I'm like, man, between 10 and 11 o'clock today, I did great on these things. But man, something happened at lunch. I must have had a bad burrito because at lunch, I failed between 12 and and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's my grouchy time anyway. But like, you know, like... I mean, like, I just completely failed. But here's the deal. You and I have God's Holy Spirit to rely on at any moment. We can take advantage of him at any moment. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 says this. This is Paul. Both of these are from Paul, the same author. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 13 says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be, what's that next word? Strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have, there's that word again, strength. To comprehend with all the saints. That's all the other Christians. That's not like the saints that have gone before. It's all the other Christians. What is the breadth and the length and the height? I love this. And the depth. And to know the love of Christ. And to surpass knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And if you haven't become a Christian, man, why not say yes to Jesus and decide to, like, have a chance to live agape love? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, Paul says, all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's okay that you and I choose the wrong words. It's okay. We are human. But God's best for us, God's desire for us, is that we choose the opposite of those. And the only, only way to do that is to walk in the Spirit of God. Here's your action item. Based on the true definition of love from 1 Corinthians 13, take time this week to identify three specific love does not attitudes that hold you back from loving others more than yourself. Listen, I have a tendency on a couple of those to like, <laughs> like use those not statements more than others. Identify which one it is and ask God's Holy Spirit to begin to work on your heart. And listen, if you're in here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
man, that's agape love, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you so much for your love and your grace in our lives. We need it so badly. We're just not good at this, God. We are so good at what Paul said to not do. Oh, man. We fail moment by moment sometimes. We fail day by day others. God, I just pray that you would give encouragement to the Christian, the Christ follower who's in here today. And uh, they're really struggling in one or more or perhaps all of these areas. God, I pray for each one of us. I include myself in that, that you would help us to take the opposite track of that, God. And that we would be people that are um, humble and, and modest. And God, that we would practice patience and kindness in every relationship that we have, God. God, I pray for marriages in here today um, that are strained um, because there have been months and years maybe of what love is not. And God, it, it just needs a good dose of what love is. God, I pray that you would raise up husbands and wives who would stand strong for the things that love is, God. And I just pray that you would um, help friendships in here that have been broken because they've wielded pride um, like a weapon and they've hurt and they've sought evil instead of good and God I pray for healing and restoration God I pray for a new hope um, for those relationships God I pray for those in here um, God who have been hurt who have been wounded deeply by someone else and so the idea of being content, God, of being humble and God, being patient and kind is, is almost foreign to them. God, I pray that they would allow you to overtake the pain and to heal the pain and to heal the wounds that they have. And God, right now in the strong name of Jesus, I pray for those who may be in here who have never experienced your agape love, that, that absolute unconditional love not based on anything that we do but based solely on the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to take away our sins and then to rise again three days later defeating death so that we can have eternal life with you when we die there's nothing 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 else that can save us there's nothing else that agapes, nothing else. Not conventional wisdom, not a formula, not a plan in a book or on TV or at a seminar. And God, I pray not even works, not even good things that we do, not, not even raising kids the right way or reading the right things. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would speak to those who are in here today and they don't know you, God. Pray that they would accept you as their savior right now if you're in here today and you've never accepted jesus maybe you have years ago i'm not talking to you but i'm talking to the ones of you who have never put your faith in jesus alone for your salvation if you're here today and you've never done that i want to invite you to do that right now and i'm going to do that by praying a prayer with you and that prayer goes like this you can just follow along silently in your heart to god with me it's not about the prayer it's about the, the intent of your heart. 
goes like this. God, thank you so much for sending your son to die for me. I've realized that I'm a sinner and I'm flawed. God, I thank you that you love me unconditionally. No matter what I've done or no matter what I'm going to do in the future, that you loved me so much that you sent your son to die for me. And today, I choose to believe in you. Help me, God, now to live for you. If you're in here today with every head bowed and every eye closed and you prayed that prayer along with me, I'm just going to have you look up at me and raise your hand, okay? Would you do that for me so I can pray for you? raised right now have said yes to you God I pray that you would anchor them in your word and in a church God where they can be around other Christ followers to live a life that you want them to live because you have their best in mind if you're here today and your hand's been up that's awesome you can put it down for a moment just look up here if you had your hand raised um, down at the bottom of, of that folder that you came in with today is a card and I'm just gonna ask you to fill your name phone number and email dress out and just mark on there that I made a decision to follow Jesus today okay I want to follow up with you okay that's all I want to do okay but it's so important that you do that God thank you so much for those who are in here and said yes to you God and I pray that you would help each one of us to walk in the spirit of that agape love that you um, so graciously and with such humility showed us on the cross help us to have your power behind us and rely on you when we're weak. In Jesus' name I pray.